Hi everyone, this is Jen Kesnick and you're listening to You Be You and I'll Be Me. And today I have Denise Gray Meehan, uh, who is an author that wrote a book called Bridgewalker. Denise, thank you so much for coming on. I'm thrilled, Jen. I am thrilled to have you. So we've known each other my whole life, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yes. Um, and you are my good friend, Melissa, and her, your son, Ashley's was also a great friend of mine when I was a kid. And I grew up here in Hampton Bays for a while before my parents got divorced and we ended up moving away. But my young life mm-hmm. was surrounded and intertwined with your family and the Brophies. And, and so I had uh, a lot of great memories of your family and reading this book, you know, just brought me right back to being a kid and growing up and going over the Ponquag rickety bridge, risking my <laughs> life to go to the beach and spending days there. So I loved all of it. It was a gr- it's a great book. Um, so what inspired you to start writing this? Well, um, I've always loved to write. And when I retired, I thought, well, this is my time. And, um, but I'm not, a, um, I'm not a disciplined student, mm-hmm. so I needed, um, I needed uh, deadlines and assignments, and I thought, so I need a writing group. And the first one I joined was a group called Tap, Taproot, and it was for women over 55. And I had just turned 55, and I thought, why do I want to hang around with a bunch of old women? <laughs> so... But I thought that, you know, the, the location was right and the time was right. So I went and in walked Helen Fitzgerald and she had steel gray hair and a black leather jacket and she read her jaw-dropping poetry and, uh, and I was hooked. That's great. And that's where it started. And they kind of, um, through them, I guess I realized that I could be funny when I was writing at times, which yeah. was new to me and um, just made me realize that I really wanted to pursue it. And then I joined another group the, at Rogers Memorial Library in Southampton. And that was like a, a, a big leap because um, these girls were really, uh, I think, terrific writers. Yeah. And Carla Rico was our moderator who was fabulous. And um, I've been with them maybe 10 years, I guess. And I just, um, because I was retired, uh, I had time, so I thought I started walking the Ponquag Bridge, mm-hmm. and and you know I was thinking about technology and how our um, our you know our phones and iPads and all of that kind of stuff have become almost like appendages yeah, to our bodies. Mm-hmm. But we can press a button and turn them off, but we can't turn our minds off so easily. Yeah, and so when I walked the bridge, I used to run it, you know back in the day, <laughs> right. and then I had to, you know, demote to walking, and um, I made a conscious effort of not thinking, and just observing, and um, then I would see something, and it would just trigger a memory, and then I would go back to the house, and I would write an essay, because it was a personal essay writing class, Right. and I just started accumulating and the essays. The, uh, one of the brilliant things about this book that I loved was that you know, the beginning of the essay and, and the end of the essay mm. would bring you back to the Ponquag Bridge and what mm. it was that triggered that memory that you wrote about, which mm-hmm. I just loved all of that. That was beautiful. Thank you. And, um, you know, it's deeply personal, mm. which is very brave, <laughs> really. And, but I think that the only way to have it resonate with people is to have it be true. I think that's right. Yeah. 
Um, I'm generally an open person, so maybe it wasn't as hard for me as it would have been for someone else. And um, my writing group has told me that my strength is my truthfulness, my yeah. openness. And my stories are personal, but my object was to hit a universal chord. Absolutely. So that people could read it and my stories and say, oh, I, I remember that. Yeah. Or, oh, I did that. Or, or I'm doing I'm that right now. Or I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> do that. <laughs> you know? um, so, um, and you know, I also have to say, thank my family because no one in my family said, please don't say right. this, please don't write about that. That's they, great. They didn't put any restrictions on me. Very supportive. Uh, which was great. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even ask me what's going to be in it. And there were things that I did leave out, you know. Because, sure. But um, that gave me great freedom, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it all starts in, with your childhood. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you grew up um, partly in Garden City, which my husband and our family lived there for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as you're talking about the streets that you lived on and, you know, the places and everything, um, that resonated. I mean, everything resonated with me from the big family to, you know, living out here. And mm -hmm. so I just really loved it. Um, in the beginning of the book, because you have four sisters, there's yes. five girls in your family. Right. Um, I started crying on page 11 when <laughs> your father referred to that boys town quote of you carrying your sister around who wasn't much smaller than you mm -hmm. saying, you know, she's not heavy. She's my sister. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but how much fun was that growing up with all these sisters? You know, we just took it for granted. Yeah. And it wasn't until later in life we started calling us, calling ourselves the gray girls and Oh, you haven't heard of us? You know, right. <laughs> the infamous gray girls. And we were also close in age, too. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what the absence of brothers does, but or whether we're just, it's just particular to us, but um, we're very loving. Yeah. You know, we, we weren't teased. Uh, I think having brothers kind of toughens you up a little bit. Yeah. And, um, which would have been a good thing, I think, take teasing more easily. <laughs> But um, we're just, and we had a very sweet uh, father, um, and um, everybody wanted to be a gray girl. Yeah. You know, they're oh, like, oh, everybody wanted to stay at our house. That was probably because you could stay out as late as you wanted, but, <laughs> um, you know, it was, uh, uh, and uh, we had an open door yeah. in our house. Um, you say at one point in the book that, you know, having a great dad sets you up for disappointment. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because even though my dad wasn't easy, he was a great dad. Mm -hmm. And it's true. You expect a lot when you have that image in your head of like, well, this is the way it should be. I mean, my daughter, my kids have a great dad too. And my daughter was just saying the other day, you know, I want to find someone that likes every single thing that I like. And, and, and I'm like, that does that person doesn't exist. You know, I asked your father today if he wanted to go for a ride and check out the North Fork. And he was like, nope. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that's, there's no perfect person out there, but mm. it is definitely probably uh, hard to live up to that great dad. Yeah. For me, it was. Um, he was the mirror for everyone else, I guess. Um, and also... Um, I got married so young. Yeah. You know, my generation, um, you went to college for your MRS. 
And, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I was very fortunate. And my, my parents' um, uh, dad had no education at all, dropped out of school, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was like 16. Yeah. And my mother had a year of college, but I don't think she bothered to attend. Right. So, um, but uh, your dad had that thing that he was like, yeah, I, I can, I can get this done. I don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. He was, that uh, charisma. yes, definitely. He was different than from the rest of his family and right. he became a successful man. But of course I knew, you know, my mother knew a different, you know, your, your father and your, uh, your husband, two different things, yeah. you know, so I had a skewed outlook on what to expect, expectations, unreal expectations, really. Well, too, then it's like, how do you really know someone before you marry them at that point? Because when you see them, you're dressed for the evening with lipstick on, you know, <laughs> exactly. no one sees you like hung over on a Sunday morning in a bad mood, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Highlight reel only. And you know, the thing is, how do you know yourself? You don't. Who are you at 21? Who knows? You know, I, I mean, I turned 21 in May and graduated in June and got married like a week later Yeah. to a guy who was four years older than me and knew what he wanted. Right. Um, and so, so then you adapt like, oh, I guess I want what you want. Yes. Sure. I didn't. I don't think I made a conscious decision until I was 40 years old. Right. I swear to God. Yeah. It's just... I don't think that's uncommon. Really? Even yeah. in your generation, Jen? Well, I don't know, but because in my case, I did the same thing. I got married mm. at 20 years old, had a family, and lived in my husband's world, which, you know, I was mm. like, oh, sure, you know, I'll do all of these things and be this person, and not that it's not lovely... Uh, but it's not necessarily everything that I want, but I didn't know that until sure. I, the kids were grown and I had time to be like, I don't really want to do this actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Oh, what do you mean? This has been fine for all these years. I'm like, I know, but now it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well you grow, you yeah, change. Yeah. And, and hopefully to be able to have the freedom to grow and change is really important. I think, Yeah, you know, in a relationship. Right. Absolutely. Um, I loved at one um, point you were talking about uh, a Maya Angelou quote um, that you have in your journal. Most people want exchange, not change. Yes. So what does that mean? Well, um, I would just um, uh, look at my sisters and um, think, I just want to have their life. Right. I just want to just be them. Right. You know, um, they all married better than I did. And, um, um, you know, I was, uh, I had a problem with money in general or lack of it. And, um, just kind of immature thoughts that, well, I'm the one who went to college. Right. I'm the one who's working hard and I have no money. What's this, what's wrong here? You know? And so I wanted to, and so it was so true of so many of my friends had, a different lifestyle than the one I thought I would would have growing yeah. up, you know? And so that was an adjustment for me. I wanted to just put myself in that other world. Sure. But I also fought that other world, too, because to me, um, I hung out as a teenager with a Bayside group. Mm-hmm. We lived in Great Neck and on the borderline of Little Neck. They were firemen and policemen's sons. They were down to earth, and I just loved them. Yes. <laughs> And they were hungry. Mm-hmm. And the guard, oh, this is terrible talking about, you know, location. It's not true of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and it goes back to my father, the, the man who's hungry and wants to work hard and, you know, have a dream. The and, alpha. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's um, okay to want your man in your life to be an alpha. You know, yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's no. a, 
traditional kind of gender role that we're not supposed to say that we want or like anymore, but it is okay. Yeah. I was also um, uh, aware of a snobbiness, mm-hmm. you know, that, and I fought that. I, you know, it was back in the 60s too, peace, yeah. love, and um, that kind of thing. And and my mother was a very open-minded person in, in some regards. Uh, she was aware of how fortunate we were mm-hmm. um, and tried to instill that in us, I think. Um, so it was that. And, if, you know, so I would poo-poo the country clubs and stuff because it was, oh, so insular, so this, so that. But... Oh, wait, hold on. Sorry, something happened. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. But then later in life, when I'm playing in a golf league and I'm our tea time's 7 o'clock in the morning, I, thought to, I said to my friends, God, wouldn't it be nice to be at a country club and right. have somebody take our bags and we could have lunch and... You know, so... There's pros and cons to everything. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know. Um, Now, being Catholic was a big part of your childhood, but then, like a lot of people in the 60s, I think, kind of got away, wasn't maybe agreeing with the dogma and wanted to have a little less restriction. So is that how you found to where your religion went as you became an adult? Um, I, I was never a big believer. Yeah. I just didn't believe a lot, even as a kid. Just didn't resonate. It just didn't make sense to me. Right. Um, I lo- <clears throat> I did have a devotion to the Blessed Mother. I thought I liked her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, maybe as a woman, I don't know. But... Um, I agree. I- I'm not, you know, very practicing Catholic. I mean, all my kids had their Holy Communion and all that, but... Other than that, in the last few years, probably after the whole priest scandal came out in the early 2000s, I kind of became um, disillusioned. And But still, I have a statue of Mother Mary in my yard that I love. Oh. So I, I totally agree with that. Oh, that's that. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. And that kept me around for a while, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but and my parents were not great role models for um, well I shouldn't say that they were who they were, and my dad I found out later in life was really an atheist yeah and my mom um, she went to ran out the door at one o'clock for the one o'clock mass and if she couldn't find a parking space she um, went to the movies <laughs> so <laughs> you know my grandmother was one who said the rosary all the time like three times a day and went to church all the time and I felt that she had. She was like our, our umbrella policy. She, she covered all of us. Yeah. Um, but I, I pray a lot. I yeah. pray. And, um, um, and I like just... you said, at some point, you learn the difference between being religious and being spiritual. Oh, yes. That was a big lesson for me. Because mm-hmm. um, I was desperately looking for something to believe. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I really admire um, and envy people who have deep religious faith because... I think it's a lifesaver for so many people. Yeah. And um, I just never had that. Right. You know, I went through the motions because I went to Catholic school all my life. And I really admired the nuns. Um, I went to Chestnut Hill in Philadelphia. And the St. Joseph nuns were a sophisticated, educated women. And uh, I, I thought they were terrific. And then you and your... First husband Jack, former husband Jack, sorry, mm-hmm. um, moved out here when you're expecting Ashley. 
Were you expecting uh, Ashley when you moved out here, or that, that both kids were born? No, he was born after we, we moved in, like in the in September. No, I guess in the summer of 69, oh, 60, 68. Wow. <laughs> and no, that's wrong. Sixty nine. He was born in seventy. One of my kids, Melissa Ash, asked me the other day, "What year did I graduate from high school?" I said, "I, I have no clue." <laughs> I know a few of the dates, like the year you were born, and here I'm flubbing that. <laughs> but it was like that's your responsibility to remember, not mine. <laughs> exactly. I know uh, you graduated, but you did have a couple of really hard years. You know, when your kids were babies, that yeah. was really, I mean, exhausting to read about, let alone live through and be by yourself mm. while doing. You know, and and I thought it was really interesting that. The trigger was your sister, you know, tending to her daughter who needed her mom to help her when she wasn't able to, when she was not well, and how it brought back all the memories of, you know, you struggling as a young mom to, you know, take care of yourself and these two mm. kids and health issues and medical issues and, mm. and you know, your husband who wasn't really paying attention because he probably didn't think that was his job to pay attention. Um, well... You do what you have to do when you have to do it. Sure. You, know, you get through it. And, but what's interesting to me is the reference you made to my sister. Um, I have a friend who's in the AA program, and um, she's doing the steps. And the fourth step is to you have to make kind of a list, I guess, of things that you um, resent. Mm-hmm. And she was having a terrible time with it. And um, she said... Uh, I don't resent my husband. I don't resent my parents. They did the best they could. She's trying to address everything in a loving way. And and I think she truly believes that. And she had forgiven them. And But I said to her, but you know... And she was very upset about it. And I said, it's. I think it's to make you feel the feelings. Intellectually, you've rationalized it. But I don't think you've experienced that feeling of being that little girl and nobody was there for you. And I said, that's how what I experienced. Like when I was in my 40s, I think I was in my 40s, and my sister was there and our daughter had a ruptured appendicitis, which I had when I was uh, a young woman with yeah. a baby and pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she just, you know, was on the next plane. And... It brought, I, I was shocked. It, it really, I, I was so un, unprepared for being depressed for like three days, like just so sad. Yeah. Feeling terribly, terribly sad. And I realized that those were the feel. I was allowing myself to feel the feelings that I wouldn't allow myself or didn't have time to, to feel when I was a young woman and mother. Right. Um, but they were there. Mm-hmm. They were still there. And they block you. Right. And um, and I had been angry a lot in my life, and I couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. You know, life is good. Right. I'm so lucky and so The problem's never the problem. It's not what's happening right here and now. It's like whatever happened before that you never dealt with. Yes, exactly. And that, you know, that was such a, a revelation to me. Yeah. And I just wrote my sister's emails and just told them what I had experienced. And they responded to me as I expected them to, was, I'm so sorry. We didn't know. I had no idea. And they were all younger than I was, right. and I understood all of that. You were young, so they were really young. Yeah. They were just girls. And not... I, I just needed to be validated. Yeah. I needed someone to have witnessed 
that part of my life that I just stuffed. And so when my friend was talking about this fourth step, I could really relate to that. Yeah. Because, and up until that point in my life, I really had no idea what that meant. Right. You know, just... How do you know? How would you know? You know, I, I think about that all the time. It's like, how are you supposed to know how you're supposed to feel if you've never felt that way before, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel like. Well, like when I went to a therapist for the first time and he said, well, how did you feel about that? And I said, well, I think that he said, no, well, I suppose that no. <laughs> well, considering that, and he was like, no, no. And I'm like, I don't know. Give me a script. What am I supposed to say? I, I don't, I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't even have the vocabulary. Yeah. I had no clue. Right. So, um, and then of course, when you get in touch with your feelings, nobody wanted to talk to me because all I did was saying, I feel right. angry. <laughs> or, uh, when you do that, I feel so mad. Or, you know, so yeah. it's a, an A to Z type of totally. thing, I think. Totally. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever went to therapy, I didn't even know why I was going because I was perfectly happy. Um, but I was like, you know what? I want to go to that lady. She did, did energy work. I heard about Reiki and now I'm a, a Reiki master. So she was my mentor, but this was the first time I was ever meeting her. And she said, um, so tell me about yourself. I said, well, I'm married to this, and I have this, 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 and I live in it, and, and, and she was like, okay, well, you didn't tell me one thing about yourself, and I was like, mm. what? <laughs> <laughs> Burst into tears, Revealing. and I was like, I don't know who I am. <laughs> Not so uncommon. Yeah. Like, oh, no. <laughs> so true. Um, and I love the, the bravery that you had to you know, end your longtime marriage that you could have lived very comfortably for the rest of your life, although not happily. Um, but it really takes a lot to actually do that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, when you tell people that you got divorced after 25 years of marriage or something, I remember when one of my parents' friends was getting divorced and I said to my mother, why bother? I mean, right. they're almost dead. You know? <laughs> so, um, and um, I have to say, uh, I wish that I had had the tools to handle the end of my marriage differently, to uh-huh. make my exit in a way, a different way than I did, you know, to be able to talk through instead of act out. Right. And... Um, but you don't, again, you know, most people don't know, um, you know, that's why all this happens at the same exact time in life for most people. Because it's just like, I don't know why I'm feeling like this, but it's probably your fault and I need to find <laughs> happiness over here. Yes. You know, that's just what people do. It's so funny. I, I, I thought I have these really juvenile ideas, I guess. I thought, well, you know, these kids are getting married later in life, so... So maybe they won't have midlife. I didn't. I didn't expect anybody to have a midlife crisis, but right. it's just the age. And yeah, I think you're when you're faced with like um, immortality, you start to panic a little bit. Like, what? What didn't I get done? Mm-hmm. What did I always want to do that I never did? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! It's your fault that I never did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And what I've learned in the, in the past few years is that you know, accountability, responsibility, and ownership for myself and myself only, um, Mm. alleviated a lot of issues that could have come up had I blamed 
my partner, um, instead of just realizing there's a lot of things that I need to get out that mm. I still have time to do. Yeah. So I'm going to do them. <laughs> yeah, that's terrific. That's wonderful. But that's a lot of work to get to that point. And yeah. when you're in the midst of working and raising your family and paying your mortgage and your bills and all that stuff, it's not usually... Yeah, it's true. It's it's And women especially, I think put themselves on the back burner. Um, they don't take, they don't care for themselves as well as they care for their children and their husbands. Oh, I'm not supposed to. That's selfish. Oh, selfish. Oh my God. <laughs> that was like a mortal sin. That was such yeah. a bad thing to be yeah. when I was growing up. Selfish. So that was, that was a cut. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really bad. Put yourself first. How yeah. dare you? I remember my former husband saying to me something about, well, I never expected you to do those things. I was like, oh my God. <coughs> what yeah. a fool I was. Right. I didn't know that. How stupid. Right. The night before I got married, my Aunt Mary uh, said to me, don't do anything in the first six months of marriage that you don't want to do for the rest of your life. <gasps> Wonderful <laughs> advice. I know. Wow. I was like, all right. That's so smart. Duly noted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I, mean, I was the first to do a lot of things in my social group and and my friends I didn't have role models telling me oh yeah. no <laughs> right you know um exactly yeah which is cool though because um you know I don't Mark and I don't have peers um that have four kids our kids ages you know and um so we were kind of alone yeah. without anyone to compare notes with but I think that was great because we could follow our instincts instead oh. of what are they doing you know, so we raise them instinctually, which, you know, not always perfect, but... I, I love that, the idea of instinct, because now at my age, I am finally beginning to listen to my voice. Yeah. To, the, you know, that inner voice. Yeah, and you can feel it. Like, yeah. does this feel right to me? Nah, my body's telling me no. Sorry, no. Mm -hmm. yes. No is a hard thing to say, too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. See? So simple these things. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, life. Yeah. Uh, and I love your friendships with your girlfriends and how you say, you know, it's very important to have a relationship with your significant other, but those relationships with your friends are really important too. Oh my God. I couldn't do without them. Yeah. I love that piece too. Yeah. Because um, I think I said something like, you know, being with my friends um, enables me to take the time away from so I can fall in love with my husband again yeah because if I don't have that space and time when I'm hating him right <laughs> and somebody to tell that to absolutely you know? uh yeah maybe growing up with uh all girls you know yeah four, four girls uh well and friends should be for fun and comedic relief and yeah. blow off steam with and one person can't give you everything yeah I had a very funny experience this weekend. Um, we went into the city to meet college friends and to our opera buffs, and we went to Lincoln Center and saw Love OM and French restaurant, we, and just had a great time. Nice. And, and we, we uh, really enjoyed this couple. And we were at breakfast the next morning, and Nick said, do you think it's wrong if you leave the house and you don't say goodbye? And I was like, oh, my God. And Terry looked at me, and I... and. Because that's what he does. Yeah. And I thought, God, if Mary Jo said that, 
Terry would have said to me, you set her up. <laughs> right. but, but to me, it was important to see that, oh my God, other men do that. Sure. You know, it's not just him. Yeah. And then I brought it up at book group and, you know, half of the girls said, oh yeah, my husband does that all the time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I could I, let that go. I'm like walking to another room and Mark, Mark, and I'll text him like, where are you? He's like, oh, sorry. I went to yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's just um, a male thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It's those little things. Yes. But I, I'm sure the, you know, with Terry, the things that you had to worry about, you know, consider, fight about, whatever, when your kids were growing up, it's just so different. It must be, is it easier? Yes. Yes, it is easier because you're more established in life and you don't have the 24-hour responsibility of the children but you still have issues of children children sure. don't go away right right <laughs> fortunately yeah and um and stepchildren it, that's another issue and i was fortunate that when terry and i met his children three children he was a widow uh widower um were in their 20s yeah which was a good thing mm-hmm. uh because his daughter and i would have killed each other right um and they've added a lot of love to my life, and I feel very fortunate about that. That's great. But it was a lesson for me. I had to keep my mouth shut um, yeah. in certain issues because they're not my children. Right. And it's a weird relationship. It's it's almost like a, a mother or father-in-law relationship as well. You know, like we're supposed to be this parent-child, but we're not. Mm. So don't talk to me like that. <laughs> you know, it's hard. Yes, it is hard. And... Um, Yes, it's easier the second time, definitely, yeah. definitely, yes. There's still, of course, Pick issues, your battles. Yeah, yeah, and you're a little bit more relaxed about things. And, um, and I think for, uh, for us to, I think, um, you know, when I got married the first time, I never thought about what we'd like to do together. Yeah. And um, Terry and I do like to do, there's no one I'd rather travel with than, than Terry. That's great. And we're playing golf together, which is fun. That's nice. And we both like nature and culture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I feel That's very important. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, you know, with Jack, uh, I didn't play football. Right. Um, <laughs> um, although Melissa, really, my daughter, yeah. uh, is very knowledgeable about football. She, of course, she doesn't play, but um, she really loves it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's different. Well, that was also a really sad uh, part of the book when Jack passed away. Oh, it just, I was so just overwhelmed and um I was devastated yeah and I was so surprised Mm -hmm. at the depth of my feelings um because we had been divorced for a while you know um Jack's been dead three years and Terry and I've been married and 16 years and I was single for maybe seven so it was a long time yeah and I was happy to see him and happy to see him go. I never, I really never missed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was shocked. Um, and uh, and his death, he it was the illness was awful. Yeah. And um, it was yeah that was uh, and uh, Melissa and Ashley were terrific. They were great. Um, you know so. Uh, I noticed. I know. You know, my father in law passed away, and obviously, you know, my dad passed away. And I saw my mother-in-law, who was not married to my father-in-law for years, and my mother, who wasn't married to my father for years, and how upset 
they both were, especially, you know, my mom was really devastated yeah. when my dad died. And I was like, what are you upset for? You know, and, and because I don't know. Right. You know, I don't understand that relationship. Right. Um, but I know it must, have, it was very mm. emotional to read it. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, and uh, Ashley says it was the, the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah. We did laugh. We did uh, you have to. find ourselves laughing a lot. And, right. Um, and, uh, I mean, Dave's line of like, how's the honeymoon going? Oh, I know. Because <laughs> Ashley Lauren, and Lauren had just gotten married. Welcome to the family. Yeah. <laughs> We, we did laugh and um, and Melissa and Ashley were terrific. Um, Ashley had the uh, was the one who had to you know give the permission to disconnect mm. and uh, just told him it's a gift of love, honey. So, yeah, you know this is a gift of love. Absolutely. But yeah, it was it was terrifically um, difficult and um, and I guess it was hard for people to understand too because it had been such a long time. And I have to say that Terry was really um, very. Uh, understanding, yeah. having lost his wife, yeah. and because uh, and he was very uh, comforting to me. Just his presence and his um, going to what you need to do and understanding that I was that's huge. Just not uh, yeah, that's huge to be yeah. to have that support in these unprecedented times. You know, yeah. like I didn't know I was going to feel this way. Right. Or right, thanks for understanding and not being yeah jealous or yes, whatever. Exactly, exactly. Um, and the one of the lines on the back of your book says, giant leaps of faith are followed by baby steps, which is so true, but mm-hmm. care to elaborate? Um, well, I, that was in the piece where um, I had received a, um, a grant to study at University of North Carolina. Which was so cool, by the way. Yeah. That it, must have been cool. It really was. Yeah. And it was perfect timing, and I had a chairman who changed my life. He he really made me the reader and writer I am today. And and um, what age was that? I was forty in my forties. See, it's so cool because it's like, look, this is my life's taking a completely different turn than I ever thought it would. Yes. In your forties. Yeah. You know, so it's just never too late for anybody to figure it out and do something different if you want to. I, I say to my daughter often, life is, you know, and it's so typical that at that age, in your 40s, which is a really uh, an important age, yeah. as you said, you start to really examine things, and you think it's the end because everything beyond that looks old or something. But uh, when you're, if you're lucky, uh, you'll live a long time. Yeah. You have 40 more years. Right. Good good 40 more years, hopefully. Yeah. And that's a long time. It is a long time. And it's another lifetime. I mean, my teaching career, which I enjoyed, is like a brief memory. Right. You know, it's just like I never did it. Right. Uh, which uh, I, it amazes me how I can detach that way, but I don't think that's uncommon. Um, but this being able to get, take... <laughs> I remember going to taking the drive, even just driving to North Carolina by myself. Yeah. And this is so typical of my mother. I was um, leaving the next day to drive to North Carolina, and she said, oh, I'm so upset. And I said, why, Mom? She's supposed to rain tomorrow, and Pam's having a yard sale. I'm like, <laughs> Mom, I'm driving to North Carolina by myself. You know, and it was... Uh, and she's like, you're fine. Yeah, she I don't just, worry about you. But she, yeah, she didn't. I wanted someone to worry about me, but... Um, I did it. So even just the damn drive. Yeah. And then going to a hotel and staying by myself for the first time. And I, I got to this hotel and I had 
um, a reservation. And what if I had a res- something happened? The only room they had left was like a closet. Yeah, it was like a mini sized room, and I almost started crying. I said, "I've been in a car for ten hours. Right. I can't stay in a closet." So the manager was there, and he said, "Oh, I think we I think we have a suite available." So I had this suite, and nice. I ordered room service and big tub and yeah. the whole business. But even that kind of stuff, just you know, it's thrilling. Yeah, it's, it's thrilling. Like, it's, I can do this. Wow. I, you know, because last year I was in California, um, for a few months by myself cause Mark was working. And so I was out there for a solid two months alone wow, alone. and I had never been alone before in my whole life. And, uh, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was great. And it made me miss him and miss here and want to come home. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I was so fortunate that I got to see that yes. and experience that and feel that. Yes, absolutely. And be like, oh, this is amazing. Okay, I'm good. I want to come home now. Yeah, I, that's a great experience. And to have the freedom to do that. Yeah. I did take off to go to, I remember telling Jack that I needed time for myself. And I went to Vermont because we had a house there. And it turned into a nightmare weekend because I was, I don't know, I went to this inn across the street and ended up sitting with this couple and everyone got drunk and I was like, <laughs> it was terrible. And then the next day I stayed at an inn by myself and I just got paranoid. Yeah. I was blocking the bedroom door. Right. And, you know, I was like, um, but it was the start. You just, it was the quite start. Ready. I wasn't ready for it yeah. yet, but North Carolina was great. And, um, the people in the, there were only, it was a type of thing you had to apply for. I was waitlisted. I got accepted the second year. And, um, I felt that, you know, a lot of the teachers were high school teachers. Some of them had published things and, and I felt like, uh, you know, my slip was showing. I yeah, wasn't, you I'm know, an imposter. Yeah. They really don't belong <laughs> here. Um, but, uh, so I took the, the leap of faith and, and then after that, the baby steps are the work. You know, the work that you have to do. Yeah. And that's that's baby steps. Yeah. You get yeah. there and then one yeah. giant leap, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And then I loved also um, the metaphor you told about your um, cycling ride with your cousin. And you were trying to, you know, you had a regular bike, not this like road racing bike that everybody else showed up with. And so you're, you know, pedaling along and you get to this hill and it's really kicking your butt. And this woman circled back and came riding up behind you and just pushed on the small of your back and pushed you up the hill. Um, And I love that you took that as a metaphor for all the women that have helped you and that you have helped. Uh, It was really nice moment. Thank you. Yeah, it... uh... It felt like Superwoman. She felt like Superwoman. It is pretty badass yeah, to come up and push somebody else up the hill. It's a tiny little thing, too. It was like, oh, my God. I was, uh, yes. And uh, and actually, the um, when I was walking the bridge, uh, there was a shadow of my arm, and it was totally exaggerated, like the Hulk. Oh, yeah. You know, it made me feel like a super person. So, you know, it kind of coincided with that, writing that piece. But... Um, and my, I think we all need that. I think we all, and I think being friends 
your friends are your superwomen. Yeah. You know, or and be there for each other and we're not against each other, we're for each other. Exactly. Or even strangers or somebody who just says something that triggers something in you or, or you just the right thing you need to hear at the right moment. Yep. And um gives you the faith or the energy to continue. Yeah. You know, and I think about maybe uh people getting sick and uh you know, several of my friends, more than have had cancer, and mm-hmm. and I see them, and I just admire their grace. It amazes me how strong people are in general when they have to be. When they have to be, mm-hmm. and uh, um, just we're capable of a lot more than we think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I read about um, your friend Anne and you taking a spin class <laughs> with her and. Um, you know, which made me cry because her husband was my dentist when I was a little girl. Oh, Al, he was the best. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Such and a Anne guy. is great. She's terrific. Good. She's in wonderful health. And she was a, a fabulous model for um, handling a, a cancer. Just staying healthy and positive. Yeah, doing what and, she needed to do and yeah. positive attitude. And, you know, and everybody has their moments. So, yeah. Uh, my, my oldest friend, Pam Mack, who I talk about, Pam McGuire in the book, she has cancer right now. And um, she's been so great. I said, listen, call me when you want to sob a little, you know. Sure. Um, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, but um, we need each other. Sure. And you met uh, your husband, Terry, through your hairdresser. Yes. <laughs> yes. Funny story. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You never know. You, you never know. know. Right. Do you still have that same hairdresser? No. Oh. And I, leaving him was terrible. It was like a divorce. <laughs> Um, well, your hair looks great, whoever oh, you're going to. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, but that was a funny story, and um, and being single was a, a, a at later in life was really a different experience yeah. too. Yeah, uh, I think it's more attractive to do things when you're younger. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool too that you know it is also a story about the struggle of aging and how as women you know we have this perception of of ourselves and what we should look like and be like and um you know just the reality of aging and the fact that we're not that hot little number that we were when we were 25 oh, and, that, yeah. and that's okay and we didn't appreciate it when not we were 25 not what a shame <laughs> what a shame yeah i yeah. know you look at pictures that you discarded as not good pictures now i want to <laughs> blow them up and frame them <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I have so few pictures, you know. It's, and I, I said to Jeannie Brophy, I said, when you die, Jean, when I die, Jeannie, um, please give Terry a couple of pictures because we have like nothing. Oh, okay. He, well, Terry's a, a picture taker, but not, I mean, he's a great photographer. Well, yeah, he took the oh, photograph that's the cover of your book, yes. which is beautiful. Yeah, thank it's you. Amazing. I was really uh, pleased with it. And I have to give credit to uh, Mary O'Brien and um, Lynn DiGiacomo because uh, without them, this book would still be just uh, files, you know, yeah. pages in, in, in files. And were um, they um, the publishers or your editors? or? Well, um, Lynn did the line editing and um, Mary O'Brien did the... Um, we uh, I self-published with Lulu, uh-huh. and um, they'll do it for you, but there's a fee connected, um, which I, I was totally uh, didn't know about a lot of this. And Mary uh, did all the um, the technical work, the size of the margins, the size of the page, all of these things that I had no clue. Right, like and we said, it's art first. 
Let yes. me get the story out, and then we'll bother with the particulars yes. afterwards. Yeah, and uh, they were terrific. It wouldn't have happened without them, really. That's great. Yeah. It's a gorgeous book, and where can people get it? They can get it at lulu, L-U-L-U, dot com. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much. Oh, I love the gents. It's great, great seeing you. It's so great to see you, too. Uh, really fun, and I really loved it. I highly recommend it for anyone, but, uh, you know, especially if you are familiar with this area because it just brings you right back to a different place in time, you know, growing up out here in the summertime. And, and also, that's not an easy thing to do either is to be a local. Yes, you know, <laughs> it's quite different. <laughs> it's not easy, uh, especially in the times that we were growing up. There wasn't anything out here then. No. You know, no. not even like a good, you couldn't even, you can't even buy socks, you know? <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was quite an adjustment. Yeah. Finding friends was number one for me. Yeah. And um, you, and you found amazing group of oh, friends. Oh, I have wonderful groups of friends. I mean, just blessed. reading the Halloween uh, costume party <laughs> was making me die laughing just envisioning Tommy Brophy and Pat Mass being oh, hysterical. the Blues Brothers just great just great <laughs> good idea yeah and you know I feel being in our proximity to the city now well, at least now you yeah. know we have so many options out here right um, jump on the jitney it's home you know it's home now yeah and I don't need a shopping mall I really exactly. never did so exactly um, I'm happy with little stores although I do run to Riverhead and have to admit. Yes, when yeah. we have to. TJ Maxx. At fan. least it's there. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> Far enough away, but mm-hmm. it's there. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I agree. After, you know, when I lived out here as a kid, um, all I wanted to do was go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I went other places and lived everywhere. And now all I want to do is be here. So it's a great place to be. It is. It is yeah. a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, if you want to check out Bridgewalker, Go to lulu.com, um, and you can get in touch with me on my website, you be you and I'll be me, and I can put you in touch with Denise or give you the um, website again. Um, if you like what you hear, go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, you be you and I'll be me. Rate and review if you'd like. And as always, have fun, work hard, be nice.